This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. All right. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast. Uh, Megan and I are here with a little quickie article in honor of... May the 4th be with you and Revenge of the 5th. Indeed. And we have an article here... Seven Lessons in Leadership from Star Wars The Force Awakens. We will be applying these lessons in leadership to line dance. This article is by Jim Madsen, by the way. Star Wars The Force Awakens has recently seen home release. This means I've watched the film more times than I care to admit. In honor of May the 4th, Star Wars Day, here are some key lessons in leadership we can learn from a galaxy far, far away. Like previous films in the saga, Episode Seven opens in the midst of a conflict between two familiar-looking groups. And then there's a subheading here, two organizational leadership styles. One is the First Order and their supreme leader, Snoke, the bad guys. Uh, Born from the Empire, they embrace the hierarchical command and control style of closed leadership. The other group is the Resistance, led by General Leia Organa. The good guys who embrace the more flexible, agile style of open leadership, General Organa fully empowers her Resistance followers and works together with them as a team. Neither style is inherently good or evil. Both can be enormously productive and beneficial for those involved. Throughout the film, these contrasting styles set important stages for how members interact with each other and how information is disseminated. Inside the First Order, in the closed leadership style of the First Order, communication comes top-down from Supreme Leader Snoke to the second tier of leadership, Kylo Ren and General Hux. Considered equals in rank, they have a rivalry between them. Ren is spiritual, driven by emotion and quest to become strong as Darth Vader. Hux is the rational commander of Starkiller Base and obsessed with military structure and might. Snoke fosters competition between them, pushing each one further to achieve his own greater agendas. Inside the Resistance, in the open leadership style of the Resistance, communication is bottom-up, collaborative, and invites feedback. This approach serves the Resistance well, and adapting to rapid change becomes vital to its survival. There is not always harmony here either, but they all share common values and goals. New and familiar characters face familiar levels of upheaval and change. Change management guru John P. Cotter has written, Leadership is about learning how to cope with rapid change. Early on, Finn and Rey leave their homes. Both begin journeys of self-transformation and discover new identities, allies, allies and abilities. Their journeys are not always studies in leadership perfection, but in leadership progression. As leadership writer John C. Maxwell observes, leadership develops daily, not in a day. Lessons from the film can help us all become more effective leaders each day. There are seven of these. Here's number one. Act like a leader. And then a quote from Finn. You should know I'm a big deal in the resistance. Finn is trying to gain Han Solo's respect. Big titles and gratuitous statements of self-importance don't necessarily make you a big deal or respected leader. As Finn learns, they can make you a target for mockery. Instead, Professor Herminia Ibarra's details in Act Like a Leader, Think Like a Leader, uh, how transformation into a leader comes through taking action and gaining what she terms outsight. Outsight is the fresh external perspective you can get when you do new and different things and then observe the results of your actions. Han's response to Finn's line is respectful, but not in the way Finn hopes. Han's insight and outsight leave Finn stunned. So, number one, act like a leader. Um, I guess for something like this, I think of several times in which I have had the opportunity to jump on a wall during a lesson Mm. and help the instructor out Mm -hmm. Um, just because it's really hard when you're on stage and you have a sea full of people 
that everybody gets an opportunity to follow someone if there's not like a key couple people helping around the room when they turn the and rotate the new wall or even just during the one wall when you're have a quarter turn or a half turn having someone else to follow certainly is beneficial mm-hmm. um I have definitely assumed that role as opposed to been directly asked to do that role. But as I've more frequently assumed that role, one, it's felt very natural to be on one of those walls for me. It's very comfortable. I'm used to it at this point. Um, And there has been several times in which the instructor has said, hey, can you go on the back wall? Or, hey, can you go on the side wall for me? Because they've seen me do it so many times now. Mm-hmm. So now it, it's kind of one of those things where I can help um, because I've just kind of assumed that position so many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that also comes to mind for me is Kevin Lutz of Stoney's Rock and Rodeo dancing among us and sort of creating the reality that I'm sure he would like to see at Stoney's. And he doesn't wear some big name badge or say, like, I'm the owner. Uh, everybody, you know, mingle, talk to each other. He doesn't tell us what to do. He doesn't manage the, the clientele there. But he kind of leads by example by just dancing with his wife yes. on the dance floor and two-stepping, talking to people on the sidelines, letting them know that he's glad they're there. Uh, he has a sort of casual leadership role um, that makes you sort of want to just be having as good time as he is. Yeah. Number two, regulate yourself. Finn, the name's Finn and I'm in charge. I'm in charge now, Phasma. I'm in charge. Han, bring it down. Bring it down. Finn has the skills of a stormtrooper and no Starkiller base where he worked in sanitation. What Finn lacks is self-regulation within a leadership role. Psychologist Daniel Goleman concluded emotional intelligence, EQ, is twice as important as technical skills and IQ in driving performance and achieving success at the most senior levels of leadership. One component of EQ is self-regulation, the ability to control emotional outbursts and redirect them in more productive ways. Ray demonstrates this as she battles Kylo Ren. At the moment when she could turn her anger into hatred, beginning a path to the dark side, she centers herself and chooses the light. In contrast, Ren's uh, outburst, outbursts show how destructive a lack of self-regulation can be. More recently, Wharton professor Adam Grant pointed out that EQ also has a dark side. Research has shown it can enable the emotional manipulation of others for evil purposes, as implied through the story of Kylo Ren's tragic seduction by Snoke. And one thing that comes to mind for me on this one is Cat's patient, Cat Cat Painter's patience with the rowdy, uh, sometimes inebriated crowd at Stoney's Rock and Rodeo. Um, I'm sure it would be very easy to get frustrated and um, yell at people or think like, okay, guys, let's do this again for the people who aren't paying attention or anything like that. And she just keeps things moving along. She knows how to talk to people. Oh, sir, please, uh, no drinks on the dance floor. And then move on, you know, things like that. Um, She doesn't let it rattle her. I I think that's uh, a a great example of regulating herself to achieve her objectives. Yeah, actually. (laughs) She she definitely um, holds herself to a professional standard that I would love to be able to emulate someday. Um, 
because dealing with those kind of variables can be jarring for an instructor, for sure. Um, regulating yourself. And another thing is with that, um, on the dance floor as a dancer, um, you know, like it's really easy to get into your zone and then someone's learning next to you and they keep bumping into you or they're struggling and they step the wrong way or even just, you know, someone next to you who knows the dance for some reason, you know, missteps and then there goes your toe. You know, it's really easy to have some type of emotional outburst and get frustrated with them being on the dance floor and now injuring you or um, colliding with you. But it's also very, um, it gives you the opportunity to practice your patience as well. And remember that everybody's out there trying to have a good time. And, you know. As a DJ also, um, and I'm glad that I haven't really seen this, but it's important not to punish the crowd. Like, when you try to put out a couple intermediate dances and you have to fade them out because nobody's doing them, you're like, all right, well, um, let's let's do an electric slide. Let's do the hokey pokey. Let's do something everyone can do. It's like, I've never seen a DJ just lose their temper um, with like who's doing what uh, dance-wise and then like, I don't know, tell the dancers they're wrong for knowing the ones that they do or not knowing the ones that they, they don't know. Uh, they, the ones I've seen, they just um, really aim for everybody enjoying themselves out there as much as possible, and uh, they they kind of act at the service of the dancers as opposed to trying to direct them too much based on how they're feeling. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Number three, become self-aware. Maz Kanata, I am no Jedi, but I know the Force. Another component of EQ is self-awareness. Like Maz, self-aware leaders don't have distorted visions of themselves. They're willing to talk about their strengths and also their weaknesses and failures. Embarking on a continual journey of self-discovery is critical to beginning a process of self-awareness and transformation. Start by stepping out of your comfort zone and asking colleagues, clients, and followers for feedback. How am I doing? Look for more than areas of improvement. Discover your strong points. When, you, when have you seen me performing at my best? The contrast between your own perceptions and others will floor you. Uh, there's a couple things that come to mind. First and foremost, the conversation with uh, Joe thompson Zemanski at Vegas and how we were talking about some instructors don't realize that a lot of the dancers look up to them and they've put them on some type of, you know, pedestal or next level or something to that extent. Um, and she was very, very humble about it and be like, I'm just another dancer. I just also happen to have the fortunate luck of also creating, teaching and sharing all these dances. Um, and with that, it made me feel like she's just very grateful and she's okay with expressing that to people. She's okay with saying, no, no, I'm, I'm one of you too. Um, and then showing you that. Uh, and it's probably one of the things I highly respect about her as well. Um, the ask for feedback too. 
it's one of the few things that I've been recommended by several different choreographers that if I want to put out a good dance, it's important that I ask others for feedback to kind of gauge what they think, if it's safe, if it feels good, how the flow is, how it hits the music. Um, But to be aware that that's just their feedback, that's just how they hear it, the most important thing is how I feel it, how I think it. Um, And like, because it's an expression of me, but to obviously take others' opinions into consideration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think being teachable is very important like to show that you you aren't just thinking um about how it feels from the inside out but to consider oh others are going to be doing this too like um is what i'm doing even setting a good example for them because i might be able to do things uh, but i've never never considered before that like uh, maybe others don't want to do things the way that i do things with my body um like as said many times, starting out doing all the kicky, stumpy country stuff, like if I just thought, well, that's good, normal line dancing, you know, wholesome, clean fun, um, and I didn't step back and maybe like see a video or like listen to somebody else describe what it is that I'm doing, and then think, oh, okay, yeah, I can see now some of the things I'm doing might be unsafe for others to try. Yeah. Like not having that self awareness um, would definitely limit what. Um, what I could then create for other people to enjoy because mm-hmm. I wouldn't even you know, know them well enough to know what they would enjoy. Number four, be persuasive. Ray, you will remove these restraints and leave the cell with the door open. Until you master the Jedi mind trick, master the real world art of persuasion. According to leadership researcher Jay Conger, it isn't about the upfront hard sell or presenting enticing arguments. The process has four steps. One, establishing credibility through expertise and relationships. Two, framing goals on common ground with shared advantages. Three, reinforcing your position with numerical data and stories. Four, connecting emotionally with your audience, but not in a terrifyingly forceful way like Kylo Ren. Um, Rachel. Mm. Rachel comes to mind when I think about the credibility through expertise in relationships um, and then framing goals on common ground with shared advantages. She wants to enjoy things. She wants to be able to dance. She wants people to be able to enjoy things. She wants people to be able to dance. Um, And as for the reinforcing your position with numerical data and stories I can't necessarily speak to that directly other than to say like how many dances she's been a part of and you can see that she's grown as a dancer and instructor Um, there's all these videos of her being herself but as well as like taking on the leadership role in events like at um Portland with all those floor floor splits she definitely just slid right into that almost very naturally very seamlessly and that in itself made everyone have more fun and gave more opportunities to everyone Um, which her just being 
like that, being very considerate. Um, she seems very honest when she's on the, that stage instructing people and very honest and almost vulnerable on the dance floor when she gets into her zone and say like poetry in motion um, that like people are able to connect with her really easily mm-hmm. or at least feel they, they are. Um, she seems very real. So she definitely comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both her and Fred uh, are able to use principles from this when they're trying to convince you 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 can learn a difficult looking dance and number one with the credibility through expertise and relationships like they've taught it before they know how to teach it to you you will get through it um and they're going to teach you correctly they're not going to backtrack and say whoops i need to you know turn this a different way or whatever like they they know their stuff number two framing goals on common ground with shared advantages if so with the shared advantages, it's sort of implied like when you see them do the demo, if they're enjoying it and they're like rocking out with it, then you can guess, oh, they actually like this dance. So they want to do this with more people as much as like I might want to do it with them. Um, so the, the goal would be with Common Ground uh, to all of us in this room at the start of the lesson learn this so we can do it together. Uh, three, reinforcing your position with numerical data and stories. I think of when they tell stories about like, oh, my class back home tried it out. They loved it. This was their favorite part. And that way, even though everyone around you might be struggling, you might be able to imagine, well, if their class can do it and they got through it, uh, then you know, I guess I can too. Like they might even say like, you know, one of my students who's always there in the front row, she, she said that this was the way she thought of this next step. And uh, maybe this will help you too. So you can just kind of put yourself mentally in a place where people are able to get it. So then you could kind of go along with those people. And then connecting emotionally, they're just they're such a great sense of humor. Like you like them. Yes. It doesn't matter what they're doing. Like they could teach you how to juggle and you'd want to learn how to juggle just because you like them so much. Uh, number five, create a culture of communication. Leia. I will do everything I can to help, but first you must tell us all you know. Effective leaders like Leia know the key to success isn't in what they do themselves, but what they can accomplish through their followers. The bottom-up participative communication of open leadership is crucial to the success of the resistance. It enables Leia to release what authors Linda Hill, Greg Brendo, Emily Trulove, and Kent Lineback call the collective genius of her team. Increased information, suggestions, and rapid feedback each contributing a slice of genius to the overall effort, gives the resistance the needed agility to devise their innovative plan of attack on Starkiller base. Um, Wall leaders. Okay. It says here um, participative and what they can accomplish through, through their followers. Rather than say, okay, now everybody... You know, if they're on the back wall, turn around, look over your shoulder, and like look at what I'm doing here. If they have wall leaders that they trust, some instructors will say, "Okay, so just you know, listen to my voice and watch what so and so does," and they'll refer to the person at the back wall who is you know, not with a microphone or anything, but you know, who is indicating what uh, the instructor is saying through just like. Um, being like a little action figure for what they're saying. 
And I mean, sometimes if there are no other wall leaders, the, the instructors will say, all right, now let's all do this toward the front. We'll just pretend we're facing that back wall, but we're gonna do it up here, then we'll turn around and do it um, facing the actual wall. Sometimes they, they will just you know, enlist the help of others so that all together um, they're able to sort of team teach. Okay, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that kind of comes to mind is just in general uh, using the same key phrases mm. in describing steps. For instance, um, a chasse versus a triple versus a shuffle. Mm. A lot of times they don't jumble back and forth between the terms. They just choose one and go with one. So mm. that communication is spread across everybody that they're teaching. Um, Joe did a great job of it at Dancing with a Dream mm. when she talked about a weave. Oh, she broke yeah. it down in the sense of, now this is what I think of when I hear weave. Mm-hmm. And she's expressing her knowledge and communicating with everybody else. Um, but she didn't tell anybody that they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and in not like thinking that this is how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we enlisted the help of Luann mm. in trying to communicate our dance steps um, when we were putting together our step sheet um, so that it was understandable to everybody and there was certain certain um, movements that we were like, well, we're not exactly sure what this is supposed to be called. So we enlisted her help to get the communication straight across the board. Mm-hmm. I think also, well, two things come to mind for choreography. One is just the idea of collaborative choreography at all and saying, here's what I hear. Are you able to express this through any movement patterns uh, in a way that kind of matches what I'm imagining? Uh, Going back and forth and trying to stay on the same page and put something together that's really uh, something you you could both agree on as, yeah, this 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 captures it. Yeah, this this is what we're both feeling when we hear the song. and also, even pre-choreography, having just things like copper knobs so that you can see who has created a dance, who is announcing that they want to do a dance to this song, so that you yes. can step aside and be like, all right, well, I, I can see that they're going to be really charging forward with this, so I guess I'll hold back, or I'll maybe I'll adapt these steps to a different song. Uh, having that kind of communication prevents us all from releasing bunch of dances to the same song on the same day and like getting on stepping on everybody's toes and getting on everyone's nerves like we can all uh work together and cooperate to have a, an overall healthier dance scene i like it yeah. number six believe in something han i thought it was a bunch of mun- mumbo jumbo the crazy thing is it's true the force the jedi all of it it's all true han gives us a glimpse of the power of storytelling His revelations revive and affirm these fabled stories of old. Their truths and shared values with the light side of the Force inspire and bring key resistance leaders together. Han, Leia, and Maz Kanata deploy them in different situations and together give voice to the positive, purposeful, and life-affirming ideals driving them. I believe that line dance can bring everyone together. I've seen 
so many people that you would think are like disconnected and don't have overlapping worlds normally and they'll be doing some dance together by the end of a lesson that none of them knew um i think when it comes to line dancing as a whole we can all pretty much agree that it's like family like um it's like a community it's its own entity of group of people in which we all have a place mm-hmm. and everything is made better because every individual person is there mm-hmm. um, it's a strength it's a support system uh, we also have all at some point noticed some type of health benefit um, whether you just feel better or you feel more alert or you can remember things more clearly. Um, when you look back to when you were first learning versus now, like how much you've grown, um, a lot of people will say something along the lines of like, it's increased their confidence or it's made them feel important and a part of something bigger. Um, it definitely, it, in itself gives you something to believe in. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, definitely a stress reducer, whether the social aspect or just the endorphins from moving around. Number seven, create unity. Leia. Ray, may the force be with you. When Leia finally says it to Ray, it's more than a cliche aphorism. It's a powerful moment of empowerment and the instilling of shared purpose in a new generation. It's also a reminder of the hopeful beliefs that now bind and guide them together. What's the binding force of your organization? Your mantra. What are your ideals, rituals? How are you creating a strong sense of purpose, unity, and loyalty in your followers? Our instructors Mm. do a great job of making you feel welcome and at home and as one unit while they're up there teaching. Mm. Um... Joe, Rachel, Fred, Madison. I mean, there's hundreds of names. Those just so happen to be the ones that currently popped into my head. They have such a way about them and how they carry themselves and the words they choose to describe things and how they make it fun for everyone that... You know, you want to be out there. You want to be participating. And they'll do certain things like, okay, we're going to get through this. Not, I'm going to do this and you're going to follow. Mm -hmm. It's, we are going to do this next. We are going to do this together. We, you know, can fight for this, um, whatever it may be. Yes, they have said, you know, I'm going to get you through this. But ultimately, it's with the understanding that we are going to accomplish this by the time we're done and be able to dance it together. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know they did a really good job, them being Scooter Lee, Joe Thompson, Szymanski, and Michael Barr did an amazing job of including the absolute beginner dancers that have been this is their first event to dancing for only six months and make sure that they felt just as a part of it as the experienced dancers. 
Um, they showed a lot of love and affection to everyone. Mm -hmm. So you felt included from the get-go. Mm -hmm. I think having merchandise as well, like Michael and Michelle have with Boogie shirts every year, they have um, something that shows that you were there together in the shared experience. Uh, choreographers also have t-shirts that let you kind of rep your maybe if you if you're not your favorite then like you know the person who's teaching at that workshop at that time uh, i know that we have on a, like a kind of a smaller scale we have our line dancing with brenda shirts so when we go someplace like let's say vegas you know this this coming year there are going to be all these hundreds of people from all over the world and then this little pocket of our sonoma county crew wearing line dancing with brenda shirts and it makes you feel like you're wearing your unity on the outside when you all have that matching color. Um, the name tags from Luann's Orange County Dance Connection. Mm -hmm. um, I love that I have that name tag and I get to wear it so proudly. Um, we wore it last night in Bakersfield, mm -hmm. you know, and at just some little teeny tiny bar and nothing too like fancy you know like grand ballroom or anything like that but people were asking about it and mm -hmm. so we got to share that with them saying that you know well we're, we're part of a, a much much larger group of people that just love to dance mm -hmm. yeah and um our wine country line dance bags we take yep. them everywhere i'm currently wearing you know one of scott's have fun go mad shirts mm -hmm. you know it's, it's definitely something where because of the community we have and the instructors we have in it and the leaders that we have, it's something that everyone can be proud to say they're a part of. Mm -hmm. There's a little conclusion paragraph here. Uh, these are just a few of the lessons in The Force Awakens. Leading personal change takes time. Most importantly, it requires deliberate action. For Ray, it meant coming to terms with her past and then letting go in order to embrace a new future. For Finn, it also meant letting go of the past and then stumbling forward. Each of us may flounder in our own ways too, and that's okay. It's all part of the journey to becoming the kind of leader each of us can ultimately be. Something that came to mind regarding the being a leader without necessarily having a title was the activity that we did at Boogie Till the Cows Come Home, where we were each divided into groups based on what animal we were supposed to... Um, imitate call out the the sound of yeah imitate um, so we didn't know who was going to be in our group we were just like making barnyard noises trying to find everyone else who was making our barnyard noise and then we would gather up our group and pick up a sheet that was um, descriptive of steps in a line dance but we weren't given the name or anything like that we were just kind of told here's what to do and then we had to quickly learn in our small pockets um Whatever the what, sheet said. Yeah, whatever the, the sequence of steps was. And we were all made equal, definitely, by shouting out barnyard noises and finding each other. There, there was no hierarchy there. We were all grunting like pigs and, and roaring like lions and whatnot. And rattlesnakes. Rattlesnakes. Uh, I think I was a crow because I was doing a lot of caw, caw. Um, so, yeah, that definitely equalized and leveled the playing field. Um, and then once we were in our groups, we just needed to learn it as quickly as possible. So whoever happened to feel confident enough and had a loud enough voice, perhaps, to round everyone up and say, okay, so it looks like we've got uh, grapevine, so we're going to grapevine to the left. Like, you 
you you just kind of fall into whatever role you're able to to help the entire group. And what one of the things you were saying about Rachel, like we're going to do this together, it sort of reminds me of that activity because when when we ended up like having a person in each group kind of guide the rest. We weren't given some title like master teacher extraordinaire. It was all just helping us all get on the same page and learn the the steps as quickly as possible so that we could go on to the next stage of the activity. And it almost feels that way with Fred and Rachel, etc., where they just happen to be, I mean, they're dancers, but they happen to be very good at explaining things in a way that other people can understand. So they've just kind of naturally and repeatedly fallen into the role of helping everyone else in the group, where the group is the entire world, (laughs) uh, helping everyone learn these steps, breaking them down and making the experience memorable enough in itself so that you remember doing the lesson and thus you remember doing that dance as it's choreographed. they don't ask to be um, held up to some like godly spotlight or whatever and have roses thrown at their feet. They're really just trying to help because they love dancing with all of us and they want to do as many of these great dances of theirs or others that they can all together. Yeah. I think that's the sort of leadership they exemplify. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts on this uh, article? Seven Lessons in Leadership from Star Wars The Force Awakens? Not really. I think we kind of covered each of them. I think so as well. All right, just to, to summarize, or not summarize, but to repeat the, uh, the seven items on this list. Uh, number one is... Dun, dun, dun. Act like a leader. Number two is regulate yourself. Number three is become self-aware. Number four, be persuasive. Number five, create a culture of communication. Number six, believe in something. Number seven, create unity. Thank you all for joining us here on Line Dance Podcast yet again. Um, Every once in a while, I look at these numbers of how many people tune in. I'm just so very happy that you guys still consider these things that we talk about to be interesting and perhaps useful in your line dance journey. Yes, thank you. We will see you on the dance floor.